today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. The idea here, when Peter says, add to your faith virtue and add to the virtue these other things, the idea is that the believer is to furnish, the believer is to supply, the believer is to support his life with these virtues. Here is the deal. He's telling the believers, you have faith, now add to your faith these other characteristics. Whose responsibility is it to add these other characteristics? It's yours and mine. Believing in Jesus and confessing Him as Lord is good. However, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. In today's message, Pastor David impresses upon us the importance of personal responsibility in the life of every believer. We cannot expect to grow up into maturity by osmosis. Instead, We have to do what the Bible says and add to our faith by taking ownership of our spiritual walk with the Lord. Put another way, just as a builder spends time and care building a home, we too must put forth effort to grow into spiritual maturity. Now here's Pastor David with part two of his message, Growing in Character, from the book of 2 Peter. Here you've got a 500-year-old man, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to build a boat. I'm going to build a huge boat. And people coming by day after day as Noah is building this boat. Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a boat or I'm building an ark. What are you doing that for, Noah? Because God told me to do this. Because God said he's going to bring judgment on all the world because of our wickedness. (laughs) Right, and they move on down the line. If that were to happen once, we could get over that, couldn't we? you got to realize, though, for 120 years, Noah building and working on that ark. Hey, come on, guys. Hey, what are you doing, Noah? (laughs) I'm building an ark. Why are you building an ark, Noah? (sighs) Because God told me to build the ark. Because God is going to bring judgment. How long do you do that before you start doubting? How long do you continue to do what God has called you to do and he hasn't quite completed it yet until you start doubting? Let's get real here. We want to believe. We want to have faith. We want to have that assurance that God is doing what he said he would do. I can imagine that day after day, season after season, 
year after year, the mocking and the scorn that Noah took upon himself. Why? Because he believed God. And he'd rather look foolish in the eyes of the world than be a fool in relationship to God. Who would dream that a man settled down in the land of his ancestors? Pretty well, life is working out probably fine for him. And then at 75 years of age, and some of you who are seniors here this morning, think of this, at 75 years of age, God comes to you and he doesn't say, I want to take you a trip. He says, no, I am moving you. I'm moving you to a totally new place. Oh, and by the way, it's a place that you've never seen before. You're going to trust God with that? Well, let me go visit it first. Let me get on the internet, find out what the weather's like in the summer there. Let me find out what, what, what this is all about. But that's not how it was. Abraham allowed God to take him to a land that he had never known, that he'd never seen before. And Abraham believed God when God says, I'm going to take you into this land and I'm going to bless you. You're going to become the father of nations. And as a matter of fact, all nations are going to be blessed because of you. Okay, God. But does it have to be that far away? Because what happens if it doesn't work out? I want to be able to come back. I I need a fallback plan. A lot of times we as believers, we're willing to follow God as long as we have plan two in our pocket. As long as, I, as, long as, I, as, long as I, I have the escape clause in there. But for Abraham, there was no escape clause. I'm taking you to a whole new land, a whole different land. I'm going to do something totally different with you. And on and on, the list would go of those men and those women who, again, despite all the odds, despite public opinion, they had great faith in God, and it changed their lives, and often it changed the lives of those that were around them. The lives of their family, the lives of their community, the lives of the nation that they were a part of. It was by faith that, that Joseph, again, bore that, the, the mistreatments of his brothers. He bore slavery. He bore false accusations. He bore imprisonment within his life. All of this because he had faith that his life was in the hands of God and that God was going to work and do his good pleasure in the midst of all of that, that God was working a more complete plan than any man could see with his eye at the current time. Maybe that's what God is doing in your life right now. You can't see the end of it. You have no clue. But do you trust God in the middle of that? That's what faith is. The evidence of things not seen. The substance of those things that are hoped for. God, I believe you. This is a hard time I'm going through right now. But I believe you by faith. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than all the riches and the treasures of Egypt. By faith, Gideon stood against an enemy that was so much more numerous than his own troops, and he believed God for his deliverance. Can you imagine those on the outside looking at Gideon? Are you kidding me, Gideon? 300 men? Do you realize how big their army is, and you're going at that with 300 men? What has gotten into you, Gideon? This is what God called me to do. God has called me to do this. 
And I dare not do anything else. And I trust him for the outcome. And God delivered Gideon. God delivered Israel, the nation, because of the faithfulness of that one man to do something absolutely crazy, absolutely insane, absolutely out of the norm, out of understanding in man's eyes. By faith, a young shepherd boy with no greater physical weapon than a, than a slingshot and a couple of stones, goes up against a giant, a giant that's armed with sword and spear and javelin. And it was because that young man, David, knew by faith that the Lord of hosts, the very God of the armies of Israel, was going to deliver not only the head of that giant, but also the armies of the Philistines into his hands. Are you kidding me? You're so ill-equipped. You're so unprepared. You don't have everything that, uh, thinking of Saul, you don't have everything that is required of a soldier. Maybe God is calling you into something in your life that the world says, "You're, you're not equipped for that. You're not empowered for that. But beloved, if God is calling you, God can equip you and empower you and work through you in a supernatural way. But we've got to be willing to walk in faith. If the only way I'm going to do this is by calculating all the odds, you'll never see the supernatural work in your life. You'll never see all that God really desires to work and do in your life. You've got to be willing to step in faith, believing that he is a rewarder, rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Peter walked on the water. And yeah, I know we give Peter a big razz because he took his eyes off the Lord and he went down under eventually. But you've got to remember, Peter is the only one that got out of that boat. He's the only one. All of his friends, I can just imagine, yeah, right, Peter, go ahead. Hey, guys, watch this. This is going to be great. Peter's stepping out of the boat. He's going to... Wow. He's walking on water. I wish I would have been the first one to step out of the boat now. You've got to understand that, yeah, Peter took his eyes off the Lord eventually and went down, but God saved him even in that. But Peter is the only one, only one ever outside of Jesus, the only one ever who's walked on water. Why? Because he believed God. He believed the promises of God. And when Jesus says, come on out, Peter, the water's great. Peter took that step of faith. Paul by faith, stood and preached before kings and princes. By faith, your brothers and sisters, through the years, they've stood through persecution, through trials, through imprisonments. They've suffered the loss of finances, the loss of homes, the loss of families, the loss of health, and even life. Why? Because they believe God over the claims of the world. And in the context of what Peter is writing, back here in Second Peter again, in the context of what he's writing, he declares that as important and as necessary as faith is, faith is only a starting point. That's just the beginning for us. 
We as believers now, we need to get out of that starting gate. We need to get off the starting blocks and move forward. The whistle has blown and the race has begun and you and I are in that race. Peter writes this phrase here. He says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. And as I shared earlier, this adding isn't, again, this idea of stacking and and building upon. As a matter of fact, the Greek word that's translated add in our English versions, the Greek word actually is, is a word that originally meant a chorus or choreography or to choreograph a drama or a play or a musical thing. And in the Greek culture, whenever the emperor or the leader wanted to have some kind of a, a, a drama presented, then he would go to the director of the choir and say, I want you to put together a song or a play or a drama depicting this. And it was the responsibility then of that director to support the work. He had to go out and gain funds in order to do that. The government was telling him he had to do something. Now he had to pay for it himself. Not unlike some government things that are going on now, but that's a whole other issue. We look at this word And the word actually grew from that to have the meaning or the idea of speaking of the one who provides for or supports others, supplies something for them in abundance. So the idea here, when Peter says, add to your faith virtue and add to the virtue these other things, the idea is that the believer is to furnish, the believer is to supply, the believer is to support his life with these virtues. Here is the deal. He's telling the believers, you have faith, now add to your faith these other characteristics. Whose responsibility is it to add these other characteristics? It's yours and mine. I can't say, well, God, if if you want me to be virtuous. If you want me to be of good moral character, then change my character. No, he says, you need to change. By the empowering work of the Holy Spirit, absolutely. But beloved, these are things that you and I as believers, we need to be diligent about. The word add to, it has that meaning. You need to supply generously these things. This idea of building up and developing the quality and the strength of of one Christian character that we add to another Christian character so that it's like a, a, a pedestal that's holding a building, not just one pedestal, but no, now we're bringing another one. We're bringing another one. We're bringing another one. We're bringing another one to, again, secure the foundation of our Christian life and our Christian testimony, supported by many. And Peter says, and you need to do that with diligence, giving all diligence. That's the idea of persistence. Doing it in an industrious way. I need to be about that business. We need to be diligent with it. What does that word diligent mean to you? Does it mean that you you try it for a while until it gets hard. Say, so, well, you know, I tried that and it, it didn't work for me. Does it mean that you try it for a while until it gets uncomfortable? Oh, I wanted to do that, but you know what? Whew, man, that, that just put too much pressure on my life. 
How about I'm diligent to add these things until they get inconvenient? Oh, I I would have done that, but that wasn't going to work out in the plan that I had in my life. When thinking about diligence, I'm reminded of the story of Jimmy. Jimmy wanted to get a job at the railroad. He wanted to be a signal man at the railroad, and in order to get that job, he had to go through a, a, a verbal test. And so the day of his test, he went before the railroad inspector who was giving him the test. And the railroad inspector came to him and says, Jimmy, I'm glad that you're looking for this job. It seems all your qualifications fit. But now let's go through the verbal portion of this interview test. And he says, Jimmy, what would you do if you saw two trains headed toward each other, and they're on the same track. Jimmy says, well, I'd go down and I'd, I'd, I'd turn the switch to change the tracks for them to get them on separate tracks. Good, good. Well, what would you do if the lever broke? Jimmy said, well, I'd, I'd run down to the signal box and I'd use the manual lever there to make sure that they get on separate tracks. Well, Jimmy, what happens if lightning has struck that manual lever and it's not usable? Well, Jimmy thought, then I'd run up into the phone box and I'd call down to the next signal station, have them change it. But what happens if the phone is engaged? Well, and in that case, I would run back down and I would, I would use the emergency phone at the level there by the crossing. I'd use the emergency phone. Well, Jimmy, what would you do if the phone there was vandalized? Jimmy thought about it for a while, and he says, well, I think then I'd run into the village, and I'd get my Uncle Toby. The inspector looked at him kind of quizzically, and he says, your Uncle Toby, why would you do that? Jimmy says, well, my Uncle Toby, well, he ain't never seen a train wreck before. Diligence, diligence, diligence. Do everything that you can, everything that's possible within your life to add these things to your life. Diligence, in some versions it's translated is to make every effort or having all zeal. These things that Peter is going to speak about here, they need to be important to you. And as believers, we need to be serious enough about our faith about our walk in Christ, about pleasing the Lord Jesus in our lives. And although our salvation was given to us freely through the grace of God, now that we have salvation, beloved, there is responsibility that you and I have as believers. Now that might burst the bubble for some of you. Maybe when you were led to Christ, when the gospel message was given to you, it was like, all you need to do is just pray this prayer and you'll get saved. And the rest of your life is wonderful. Newsflash here, wrong gospel, wrong gospel. You give your life to Christ, you become his slave. You surrender your life to his leading. And in surrendering of my life and in receiving of salvation, there is now a responsibility in my life to live my life to his glory 
and to his honor and to do all that is within me with all diligence to add to that work of faith in my life these other things. But pastor, I thought faith was all that we need. I thought it was the grace of God working in us through faith and it's not by any works that we've done. It's according to his mercy. Oh, but what does Paul say in Ephesians? He says that you were called as his workmanship in Christ to do good works. We're called that our, cha- that our lives would be changed, redirected. I now have, because I am a partaker of that divine nature, I now have to have all diligence to grow through the help of the Holy Spirit but not to remain as a baby in Christ. And the unfortunate reality is there are so many believers. They come to Christ. They figure they have their railway ticket to heaven. Everything's fine between them and God because 25 years ago, I prayed a prayer. I signed a card. I'm good to go. Beloved, the assurance of our salvation isn't because I can go back to the day, time, and place of when I prayed a prayer. The assurance of our salvation is the reality of Christ working in us. His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the sons and the daughters of God. Peter here declaring this responsibility. Yes, it it is the work. It is that empowering work of the Holy Spirit that moves in our lives. But he says, you and I, we ourselves need to be diligent. We need to make every effort and work with zeal to furnish, to add to, to support the reality of our faith by bringing into our lives, adding to our faith, these other virtues of a Christian life, these other characteristics, these other traits. And we can't sit back and simply say, well, you know, I never really was too good at having self-control. I just don't have self-control in my life. So God will overlook that. No, you need to get somebody that you can be accountable for. You need to get somebody that you can be accountable to. Because if you don't have self-control in your life, how is the Spirit going to control you? You know what it is. It's, the problem is, is you have too much self in control of your life. Okay? That's what the deal is. And you need to have the Spirit in control of your life. Well, you know, I'm just not a very loving person. I, I just really, I, I just don't get along with people all that well. John tells us that if you say that you love God and you don't love your brother, the truth's not in you. You're still in darkness. Maybe you need to really work at that issue in your life. Maybe you really need to work diligently in that issue in your life. Well, pastor, kindness has never been one of my personal traits. I've just grown up hard and I'm just kind of a hard guy then you need to soften up. You need to back down. Bring it back down a few notches and allow the Spirit of God to work in and through your heart to give you instead of a heart of stone, 
to give you a tender heart. One that he can work with, one that he can mold. Oh, and one more thing. These things that he's going to list for us, it's not a buffet choice. easy to overlook the smaller books of the New Testament, such as this short letter of 2 Peter. That's why it's so great to have a teaching like the one you heard today, where Pastor David was able to remind us of its importance and take us deeper into the meaning behind the words. If you want to keep studying through these audio messages, Pastor David is here to share with you how you can do that. Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. In his letter, the Apostle Peter spoke forcefully of the coming day of the Lord, where the earth will pass away and everything here will be gone. He gives us instruction on how we should live in light of this fact and encourages us to diligently pursue godliness. These teachings from so long ago are still practical lessons for living a godly life that we need to study and apply today. We hope you've been encouraged, but also challenged to go deeper in your walk with Christ. Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor David's message. Be sure to join us again to continue studying 2 Peter right here on The Open Word. It's more.